Welcome to Homestead Story. We're Peter and Kristen. Join us as we share a new but old kind of family life. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Homestead Story, or as I like to call it, Coffee with Pete and Kristen. And I've got a big cup of coffee, so here we go. Yeah, I feel like we have been unknowingly preparing for podcasting for the past 11 years of our relationship because we have always loved to just sit around with a cup of coffee and have these long, in-depth conversations together. We, yeah, we've always done this. A cup of coffee in the morning, sometimes a glass of wine in the evening. We just love to sit around and chat together. Yeah, and talk about all these things on our hearts and minds. And now we're just bringing a lot of other people into our coffee conversation. Yeah. So we, won't, we won't bring people into our wine conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just our coffee conversation. It's a different conversation. <laughs> so we are looking out over our uh, close-to-two-acre forest garden that is under construction and it's going to take several years to build because it's a huge project. Explain what a forest garden is again. Right. So forest garden is kind of like an orchard, except that it has tons and tons of different species in it. So I've got hazelnuts and chestnuts and all kinds, anything that will grow in Maryland and fig trees, you know, asparagus, blueberry bushes. We're going to be planting all kinds of different stuff in here. And annual, our squashes and annual vegetables as well, everything. Absolutely. And we had started trying to build one of these at our old house in Baltimore, much, much smaller scale. So we had planted a bunch of fruit trees. And again, we were just outside of Baltimore. From our rooftop, we are pretty high up. You could look down and see the Inner Harbor, which was kind of cool. It was about probably a linear mile away or so. And so that's how close we were to the city. I mean, there's just houses everywhere. And we had gotten uh, two peach trees. And the peach trees, peach trees will, will produce fruit really, really fast, which was exciting because all the other trees didn't have anything on them. And our peach tree was loaded up with peaches. Yeah, I think I counted like 40 little peaches. Oh, we were so, so excited to have a peach harvest. And we came out one morning and they were gone. Completely gone. Zero peaches. <laughs> I was like, what There wasn't the a single one left. Where did they all go? Yeah, it was really, really frustrating. And the deer had come by in the middle of the night and eaten them. And we were like, we're just outside of Baltimore. And the deer are eating our peaches. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we moved out here and we're planting these massive gardens. And the big question is, how do we protect this from the deer? And I had done a ton of research. I'm like, there's got to be a way to prevent deer. And turns out when deer are hungry, there's not an easy way to prevent them. Right. People were like, if you build a fence, it has to be eight feet tall because deer will jump anything smaller than that. Right. And even if you have an eight foot tall fence to keep deer out, you'll have groundhogs and voles and hawks and just birds, crows, all kinds of other you know, animals coming in to eat your food. Yeah, I learned, I started learning this thing about nature, which is it doesn't work without predators. Mm-hmm. If, it, if you don't have predators, then everything else is going to overrun what's happening. Right. So we decided that the best way to protect our gardens was to get dogs. Right. And these dogs are our allies. They are our homesteading allies. Yeah, we couldn't do this without them. Now, I think people might have the kind of wrong impression about working dogs. I think people think it's mean to have an outdoor dog because you're thinking of it in terms of the city or the suburbs where there might be a small backyard and 
a dog on a chain just sitting outside being Barking neglected. Barking all day long, being neglected. Yeah, and that is not a good impression of a dog. You don't want to see a dog in some small area on a chain. Um, but we're talking about a 10-acre farm. Our dogs have reign of a 10-acre farm. They're running and playing and chasing things all day long. Our dogs are outdoor, outdoor dogs in the warm weather, in the growing season. So when our trees are growing and producing fruit, when our vegetables are all coming in, our dogs sleep outside in the in the orchard, and they're so happy. They love laying in the grass and you know sleeping in a field. We have a little dog house for them, and we're, our dogs are part of our family. We're not cruel to them. So of course, when it's cold or freezing, we bring them inside, and we don't need them really outside when it's cold because nothing's really growing and nothing really needs to be as protected. Right. So we have two dogs and the first one is named Bella Mm -hmm. and we got Bella. We were so excited to move out here and we were also, we wanted a dog for protection for the kids. So we were, you know, coming out of Baltimore where you probably shouldn't feel safe (laughs) and coming out further away where it is safer, but somehow, you know, it was a new environment for us. And we, you know, we wanted to make sure that the kids had, had a, you know, a dog watching over them when they were outside playing. Right. And the other thing is we live on the edge of a forest a large, large forest. And so we also have raccoons and fox and coyote even in our area. So it's important that we have dogs for protection from those things and for our chickens as well. I mean, if you ever see a raccoon get into a chicken coop, it looks like a murder scene. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, they don't, they're not interested in eating the chickens. They just want to kill them all. Yeah. So we, when we were moving to our farm, we didn't want to wait. So we got chickens at our old suburban house. They were just little little baby chickens and a raccoon. We didn't have a dog yet. So a raccoon ate a lot of our chickens and it was was a terrible sight. So we have not like a war scene when I, you know, went outside in the morning. Yeah. And then here in the country with our dogs, we have not had a single (laughs) raccoon or fox get into the chicken coop yet, which is awesome. Yeah. The neighbor or the previous owners, we were talking to them, we moved out here and they just said that, you know, you're, you're gonna, there's raccoons here all the time. Right. And they had sawhorses up on the back patio to keep the deer off of it. And, and right. I mean, there's just so many things. Right. So they said, you know, when you come down to into the barn in the evening to feed the animals or the cat or, you know, whatever, you're going to just see lots of little raccoons. But we have not seen a single raccoon because of our of our dogs. Right. So we, we got our dog, Bella. She is a Maremma sheepdog. In, in Italian, they say Meremana Abruisi. It's an Italian dog dog and it's a livestock guardian dog. Right. So we got her, remember we said in our last podcast, our original intention was to get sheep. So again, with the the coyote and, and all that, we wanted to have a nice livestock guardian dog. If you listened to our previous podcast, you'll remember that we were intending to get sheep, but then we ended up not getting sheep and getting cows instead. So the intention was that this dog would bond to the sheep, but since we didn't have sheep, I think our children kind of became her sheep instead. Now, a Merrimah sheepdog, it looks kind of like a Great Pyrenees, a big, white, fluffy dog, and they are bred in Italy to lay on a mountainside with the sheep. Literally, that is what they do. And then they bark. If they see something coming, they bark. And then It's I, their warning. They're right. warning everything to stay away from the sheep. Yeah. They are not really prone to want to go out and have a fight. They really kind of want to just send out a warning and keep everything away. So, Bella, oh dear. Yeah, so we had heard warnings that livestock guardian dog is not the same as normal dog. Right, we had read many warnings about the Merrimah sheepdog. This is not 
your family puppy that you want to have under the Christmas tree in your home. Right. But Kristen and I <laughs> decide we can do whatever we want. Yeah. And so we heard the warnings, but we figured we could figure it out. Everything I read was, this is, this is a very stubborn dog. They actually, and I read this, I don't know, it, um, don't fact check me on this. I don't know if this is how true it is. I just read it somewhere that they actually don't put these, this breed of dogs in like American dog shows because they don't want people getting these dogs because they are so kind of strong-willed that a lot of them end up in shelters because people realize they can't really handle them. They are not your average American family dog. They are... Right. Well, I think the normal relationship between owner and dog is master of the dog, and the dog looks to the owner as their master. Mm -hmm. So Maremmas were bred to be partners. Mm -hmm. It's not the same relationship. They are supposed to be able to handle a flock of sheep by themselves on a mountain. Yes. So they're incredibly strong-willed and they're incredibly independent. Yeah. And so where you would train most dogs to do a command and the dog does it because they want your affirmation and because you're the master, the Maremma will hear the command, understand it. She's very smart. And then decide whether it's a good command or not. Right. She, she will decide if she wants to listen. She is my my strong-willed, rebellious teenager. <laughs> right. So we, we paid heavily for this because we, we've had to work so hard uh, with her to, to make sure this is a really good setup for us and yes. for her. And so basically, Bella, what she does is kind of lays around the farm barks if anything comes near and the kids love she she's really bred to lay around with sheep cuddle with the sheep and i think she sees my children as a sheep and they kind of crawl <clears throat> climb all over her they're always laying on this big huge dog you know that's bigger than them and she's great in that way she loves kind of laying around with our little sheep our little children but again she if she wants to do something for example she loves to break into the house and get into the trash she knows she's not allowed to do that but there's no stopping her. If there is an open door, she will find a way in yeah, and into she the will. trash. She will. <laughs> so, and she'll know when we're not around and then do it when no one's looking. Right. And we feel very safe because she's very big and she's very, you know, she, if there is something on this property, she will know it. She will be the first to know it and she will bark. So we always have a warning. We always have an alarm system, but she is, and, and she's got a nice big fur coat and she loves to be outside. Like when I, I got her from a breeder in Virginia and she said they just love to lay out in the, in the field, you know, day and night. She loves to be out there on the grass. Right. Well, we br we do bring the dogs in when it gets really cold, but that's mostly for the other dog's sake. The Maremma right. was made to be on a mountain in, in the Alps. I mean, yeah. she can handle, she could handle really cold temperatures if she needed to. Right. We bring her in anyway because there's no point to keeping her out in the middle of winter. But. By herself. The other dog, we want to bring him in. So, Right. So that is Bella. That is the Merrimah Sheepdog. Again. And she's amazing now. I mean, she's been a ton of work, but she's really, really good at her job. Yeah, she is. She's, she's wonderful. <laughs> she's huge. I'll have people come over, though, and drive because she's outside. They're outside all the time. So people will drive into the driveway, and they like my dogs jump all over their cars, and they've got this you know huge dog. And I'll get a call. Can you come and get your dog off the car so I can get out? Yeah. Um, so anyway, she's that's Bella, my my rebellious child. Um, so then we have another dog, Blue, who we're going to talk about. Blue is awesome. Right. Well, part of the, the, the thinking was that if we're going to have an outside dog, we probably don't want to have this dog out there by itself. Right. You know, we really wanted to have um, a partner. It was two reasons. It was so Bella wouldn't be alone, but also I wanted a family dog who would play with the kids. So I have a one son who is obsessed with sports more than his other brothers, and he needs someone to play catch with him basically 
all the time. And so Bella, being the independent livestock guardian that she is, was not interested in fetch. We tried everything to get her to play fetch, and she's like, I'm not bringing this ball to you. Like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not doing this. <laughs> there was no fetch with Bella. Yeah. She just wanted to lay around and just guard. She did not want to play. So I was like, you know, I said a prayer. Because Pete and I, again, we pray about every decision that we're going to make. We try to bring the Lord into all of our decisions. So I said this prayer. I was like, God, I just, I really want a dog that will play fetch. I want a dog that will play fetch with my son. Um, I'm going to, I went on Craigslist. I prayed for this dog. I found this, I found this dog on Craigslist. He was 11 months old, so still kind of a puppy. And he was a mutt. They said he was an Australian sheepdog, but he did not look like an Australian sheepdog to me. But for some, he was a dog that was available. So I said, Hey Pete, let's get this dog. We didn't want to buy another purebred because after we had moved, we kind of spent all we had. So we didn't want to spend thousands of dollars on a purebred. So we just went and got this mutt. Yeah. So we met the owners and they were, they loved this dog, but they were moving away back to like California or something. And And the girl said to me, she said, this dog, they had him in an apartment and she said, I am not, I was not prepared for his energy level. Right. Which I think it can be a tough concern for a lot of people if a dog's in an apartment or a house or something, but high energy level, that was that yeah. was something we wanted. Yeah, yeah. If you put a, a shepherding, a working shepherd sheepdog into a house all day, it'll probably get into trouble because they want to be running that farm. So right. Right. So, we, so we went and met this dog and we get there and it starts like barking at me like <laughs> like I'm going to kill it or something. I mean, it was terrible. This dog was just barking at me, not at Kristen, at me. Yeah. Well, it's barking at everybody. So we get out and she goes, oh yeah, um, he doesn't... So she had gotten him from a previous owner, so he had been passed around. So she said, he doesn't really like men. And I'm like, uh, we have <laughs> five men in this family. Yeah. How is this going to work? Yeah. But we didn't really feel... We just were like, okay, we'll take him. <laughs> and... um. So he gets in the car and he just snuggles up to me and won't won't let me take my hand off him. He was yeah. just terrified. Right. So I think he had had some issues when he was a puppy. Something yeah. had happened. Yeah, she found him from a him. she found him from an unfortunate place. So I think he does have he had some anxiety about men, but we have we're working through that with him. He yeah, I think he's mostly men now. But here's the thing about Blue. I don't know why, but when he came to us, he didn't just love to play fetch. He is obsessively addicted to fetch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when Pete and I walk around the farm, if we're like doing gardening or something, we hear a thud and we look down and there's a ball at our feet and then there's a dog crying the entire time. So imagine us <laughs> gardening and every like 30 seconds we have to throw a ball and he brings it back and drops it at our feet and just starts crying and crying. My kids are like, Blue, I can't play fetch anymore. He wants to play fetch constantly. If he sees a ball, he basically goes... Ballistic. So if the kids are playing soccer, I have to lock him up and he's just crying, crying and crying. But if they want to play a game without a dog involved taking the ball, I have to shut him up. When there's a ball, he just, he will love anyone who plays fetch with him. I think he would play fetch until he died. I have to make him stop sometimes because he would do it till he died. So God didn't just answer my prayer. He answered my prayer abundantly. I have a dog who is <laughs> addicted to fetch. Yeah. One of the fun things we like to do is my son, well, two of them really like to play baseball. So I'll throw the ball to them. They'll hit it. And then blue is the entire field. 
Like he will get the ball no matter where it goes. And it, you know, it's a lot of fun because I can just throw the ball and he can hit all day long. And the dog just loves going and fetching the ball and bringing it to me. And he's like the outfield and the, you know, shortstop and everything. So that's a lot of fun. It's so awesome. So anyway, we're going to talk a little bit about blue because he is such a unique dog. Absolutely. He's, he is a really, really smart dog. And we realized this pretty quickly that, I mean, he's brilliant. Yeah. I've never seen a dog as smart as him. Yeah. So he, when I brought him to the vet to get his vaccines, the vet thought he was some sort of collie. Now he's a mutt, so I'm sure he's mixed with something. But when I did some research and kind of looked it up, he looks like an to me, an English collie and English collies are bred to be on small farms doing small jobs. And he is just brilliant. I, so we, we kind of want to get him tested to find out what he is because whatever this dog is, we want to get him again, but we're thinking English collie. Right. So here's one of the cool stories that happened with this dog is they'll chase off deer and they'll chase off groundhogs. They'll chase off squirrels, anything that runs around, they'll chase off, which was great because even mice, if they see one is, I realize this is going to save my forest garden and all the other gardens. But I planted a little bit of corn last year just for the fun of it to try it and see how it went and stuff. And it, uh, not very much. And it was out there and the crows realized as soon as it started to get close to being ripe and they would come in and uh, what little corn I had, they got about half of it because they just, you know, they realized what it was. And I knew this was going to be a problem. As soon as we started having blueberries and things like that come Mm -hmm. in, the crows are going to want to eat it. It's really accessible to them. And so I was thinking, what am I going to do with the crows? How do you get rid of them? And anyway, I was outside working one day and a hawk came swooping in and it wasn't too close to the chickens, but I don't want hawks to feel comfortable on our property. So I kind of like ran after a little bit and clapped my hands a few times and scared it off. And, uh, you know, I went back to work and Blue's hanging out with me, you know, dropping the ball at my feet and stuff. Yeah. He's always underfoot all the time dropping the ball. Yeah. So (laughs) the hawk flies by again and Blue looks at it, chases it off, barks at it, and the hawk flies away. Five minutes later, a couple crows fly into the backyard. He takes off like a rocket and mm-hmm. chases them off. And I realized all I had to do was chase off a hawk once, and this dog already knows that these animals aren't welcome on the farm. Yeah, he is. He picks up what we're trying to convey to him so easily. He's always looking at us with this look of like, what are you saying? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I think that's what, what's in his head all the time. What do you want me to do? Right. <laughs> and, he, and I'm so excited about this because yeah. I'm like, wow, I can train my dog to chase off the crows. Yeah. And it's not like we have a hundred acre farm here. It's just a, a, a relatively small area, a couple yeah. acres that I really need to be guarded from that. And I think he'll sit out there all day long and be perfectly and, happy chasing off birds. Yes. He wants, he wants a job and we are not. So our great story to people is that we think that anyone who has a desire to homestead can figure it out. So I am not a dog trainer, neither is Pete. We just kind of talk to our dog, Blue, and kind of show him what we want him to do. And it's pretty simple and straightforward, and he gets it. Yeah. Now, it has been a lot of work. I mean, the dogs has been a lot of work for me uh, to kind of work them through some of the issues to make sure that they're you know productive members. But the benefit... I think is going to be amazing. They're really our partners out here. Right. Now, um, so we'll get into our last weekend project. With homesteading, you always have these unexpected projects that you weren't planning on, but you just have to be flexible and realize that's part of homesteading. So 
blue, we have an electric fence that goes around our property to keep the dogs in. So they have full reign of our 10 acres with electric collars. They'll get a shock if they go off the property. And we also, in most of the property, have sheep fencing too. So they actually don't even really need to go near the electric fence because of the sheep fencing. But we live on in a very interesting area. We live on a forest edge on a farm, but we also have a good amount of neighbors who walk by our quiet street with dogs. So we were noticing that blue, we have one kind of opening in our driveway where it's the electric fence. So a pretty large 22 foot opening of our driveway. And we were noticing that when dogs were walking by, our dog blue was running out into the street, getting shocked and scaring off the dogs, being really just intimidating them. So I watched it happen a few times and kind of like scolded him. They're like, what is he doing? Yeah. And then I had some neighbors very kindly. I mean, I think that's kind of scary having a dog run out at yeah, you when you're walking by. And, definitely. But the neighbors very kindly kind of brought it to my attention that our dog was kind of running out very scary and intimidating other and dogs. Like, what is he doing? He's, he's getting shocked? Yeah. He was just getting shocked. We were like, what is going on? And then it hit me. He's, I, I realized what happened a couple of weeks ago. I heard my dog, Bella, the Merrimah sheepdog barking this kind of just very kind of a warning bark. Like I knew something was up. So I'm looking around the property, trying to figure out why, what she's barking about. And I look out and I see a dog on our property. Now, when you live on a farm and it was near, it was near our barn, you don't want random dogs coming onto your property because some dogs like to attack chickens. Our friends. Yeah, most dogs will kill a chicken as soon as as soon as look at it. Yeah, this happened to our friends. Oh yeah, they had a they had a random bulldog come on their property, break into their chicken coop, and kill a bunch of chickens. Yeah, which is just so upsetting when you've raised these chicks and they're you know your chickens to have an, a random dog come on. And unless they're trained otherwise, that's a dog's instinct. Yes. to kill prey. Right. So. so I saw a dog on my property, which I don't want, obviously with children and chickens and whatnot. So I said to my dog Blue, I said Blue, go. That's what we've. That's our command for him is we'll say go and he'll go like if there's a deer on the property, he'll go chase it off. Or a groundhog. Or a groundhog, yeah. He, Tell your groundhog story. Yeah. So I chased <laughs> off a groundhog one time and the dogs, you know, picked up that, that groundhogs are not our friends. They know what our friends are. They know the chickens are friends and that the cats are friends. Well, they realize that the groundhogs are not our friends. So uh-huh. Well, they saw you chase it. Yeah. A couple or- weeks later, another groundhog decided to wander up into the front yard which mm-hmm. is really far from anywhere groundhogs live around here. And the dog saw it, and it was dead in about 20 seconds. So Bella, the big, large sheepdog, is clearly the alpha in the pack. And so Bloom, he killed this groundhog, but Bella just carried it around all day, this dead groundhog. Like, it was her kill, because she's alpha, I guess. Yeah. So she's just carrying around this... It's her prize. Yeah, so that was kind of interesting and traumatic, but... Um, yeah, so we don't really have a groundhog problem, which is nice. So anyway, we train Blue and Bella when we say, you know, Bella Blue, go. And we say it with that kind of anxiety. They know to chase off whatever is on the property. Right. So I see this dog and I say, you know, Bella Blue, go. Blue takes off. He is the fastest dog I've ever seen. He takes off like a rocket, chases this dog off the property and comes back to me. And so I reward him and I say, good boy. And I give him a treat. I was so proud of him for keeping the dog off the property and you know, for following my command. So the problem was he's so smart. I think he realized, oh, I'm supposed to keep dogs away. So the neighbors walk by and then he sees dogs and he thinks he's trained it. So he's chasing off these dogs and intimidating these dogs and getting shocked. He, he will get shocked to follow a command, which is really 
sad. We did not want to see him getting shocked (laughs) or scaring the poor neighbors. Yeah, right. So we're like, oh, wow, we got to deal with this one quickly. Yeah, so we need to put up a gate. Now, most of our our fencing is he can't get through it, so it's not even a risk of getting shocked. But that one area, the driveway... We had to kind of drop everything and put up a gate. So yeah, and we we had thought about doing that anyway because we have people pull into the driveway really quickly, and the kids are out there on bikes and stuff. So we just it's a short driveway, and we decided we wanted a gate anyway. So I I go out to do this gate project. Well, here's a here's a story. Sorry, I'm so sorry to interrupt you. That's okay. Um, but <laughs> um, here's a story about how sometimes projects go easy, and sometimes. No matter how good you are, they don't go according to plan. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I'm gonna go put a couple posts in the ground, no problem. I could I can probably put two two posts in the ground we in can like have this, twenty minutes. Yeah, we can have know? this skate up in two hours. Yeah. So I go out there and I'm twelve inches down and I run into solid rock and I'm like, oh man, this is gonna be hard. So I go over to do the second post just so I can get one of them done and I get eight inches down and it's solid rock. It was like it was like granite or something. It was some kind of granite, I think. Yeah. So I have to get out my my big steel chipping pole. Because uh, there's nowhere else for these these posts to go, they have to go in the spot. So I'm just I'm sitting out there chipping stone for <laughs> for hours. I mean, it was so hard. Yeah. And uh, I think what was cool about that was then I was out there and it was a nice day, and a lot of the neighbors are walking by with their dogs. It's this we live on this loop, and so it's a it's like a perfect area. There's next to no traffic, and it's a big loop, so people walk by with their dogs. So the dogs are walking by with the owners, and Blue is out there with me as usual. And every time a dog would come by, I'm gonna—I was going out and petting the dog and just being like, "Blue, these are our friends." Yeah, you know? this is a, well. I think all the neighbors loved it too because you're giving their dog attention. Yeah, everybody likes it when you pet their dog. <laughs> I just thought it was really funny because I'm—I'm inside taking care of the kids and with you know watching the toddler and everything, and I'm looking out the window watching Pete do this gate project and I'm watching him and it's a nice day. So again, people are walking by constantly and every time a dog walked by, Pete would go out and pet the dog. And I'm and being real <laughs> vocal about it. I'm like, Blue, this is our friend. But I understand that all you really have to do is talk to this dog and he gets yeah. it. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, is Pete, you, Pete is such a hard, if you know my husband, he is such a hard worker. So when he gets his mind on a project, he doesn't stop to eat or drink. He goes all day nonstop and, and he's stopping every second to pet the dog. <laughs> I walk by and talk to them. It was good for me. Yeah, it was Chill good. out a little bit and yeah. talk to the neighbors. Yeah, it, and, and the project was, everything was going wrong with the project. So he was out there all day meeting every dog. But Blue was watching you. He like, was watching me. And I think he gets it now. Yeah, I think he understands. These dogs that walk by on a leash are our friends. We're not going to scare them or be mean to them. Right. So another training opportunity for the dogs. Right. It kind of has been one thing after another with them. We realize it's there's a lot to integrating a dog. I mean, that has been one of the harder things we've done on the homestead. Okay. Well, but it's way easier than building an eight foot tall fence around the whole property. Okay. Wait, in my memory, the dogs have not been that hard. Blue's been really easy to train. Well, okay. I guess I can remember some very difficult times with, with Bella. <laughs> okay. Bella has been very hard. I can see that. Blue, to me, has been very easy, very trainable. Can you talk about why you think they've been so hard? Yeah, so there's a few things that I think are really important to know about a dog on a homestead, and the first one is containment. So if I could go back and do this all over again, I would have set up our containment for the dogs right away and then make sure they fully understand what are the boundaries. Right, wait, what do you mean homestead. containment? So fortunately, neither of the dogs really wants to run away. They're both happy to stay close to the house, but... 
we didn't have the electric fence set up when we got here and they stayed around the house a little bit and then they started running into the reservoir and okay. I did not feel good about that. They were, they were getting off loose. the property. Yeah. So that just really stressed me out because I didn't know if something was going to happen to them or if they'd get tangled up with someone walking their dog in the reservoir or something. Um, so we got all of that set up and it was a lot of work. And I think one of the things that was hard was I didn't anticipate that. Right. I wanted to do a whole bunch of other stuff and now I'm setting up containment for dogs. Right. So that was kind of took me off guard and it was a major project we had to do right away. So getting the dogs contained is the first thing. And then the second one is we got a dog who was made to be on a mountainside barking at stuff till it went away. (laughs) And so like a bag would blow into the yard and she'd bark for hours at it. That was hard. And I mean, it would drive me nuts just to hear this dog barking. (laughs) Like I'm in a reservoir. There's, I'm on my farm. There's beauty all around me and a dog that won't stop barking. Yeah, that was awful. Uh, So that was really, really hard. Well, actually her barking did drive me to tears at one point because we have a a cat that came to the property who isn't the friendliest cat and she just could not make peace with this cat. So every time she would see the cat, she would bark like crazy. And I was just like, please, Bella. I started just crying. Yeah. Please stop barking at the cat because it was constant. Well, the cat, yeah, it was this barn cat that came with the property and she's old and cranky. Yeah. I mean, just really cranky. And so the second one of the dogs would come around, she would, you know, make mean count of mean cat sounds and okay we did see her claw bell in the face yeah and bella is like (laughs) bella's the peacemaker and it's she's like the peacemaker meaning that if something is wrong she makes it stop being wrong so every time the cat would growl at her she wanted to like kill the cat yeah oh and that would have made peace right but But anyway we're (laughs) they were enemies and we were having to break them up yeah her puppy phase was really hard and i think that was the other thing is that we understand when you have a baby that that you have a baby and you have to deal with baby things and then toddler things and kids are immature at first. That's how we all start. And I think that was another thing that threw me off is that the dogs were just puppies yeah. and they're tons of energy and running around like crazy. And I would be so excited because my little seedling was coming up and then a dog would come by and stomp on me. I'd be like, no, <laughs> yeah, that was hard. I was so yeah. frustrated. Right. That's true. And uh, I think at some point I just understood that Getting through the first year or two with the dogs and having them make some mistakes and smash some seedlings was going to be worth what they were going to provide for us. Right. And it was just, it was a sacrifice that was, that was definitely worth making. Yes. But it was a lot of work. And so. You're right. I'm, I think I'm focusing on the good that they are now that I'm forgetting. But when I look back to that puppy face with Bella, that was pretty awful. I'm so glad we have them. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I mean, I am so happy that we have them. But, but I think that it's just. It's one of those things you need to be ready for. If you're going to get a dog, you got to be willing to put in the commitment and especially a livestock guardian dog. Yes. That's like a completely different category of dog. Yes. Now, um, I do want to say now electric fences go underground, but one really neat thing that we did, we have fencing all over the property, like horse fencing. We laid the electric fence on the fence so we didn't have to dig it underground. That saved a lot of time. That was nice. The fencing is white. So I just went online and got a big roll of white wire so right. that it would fit in. Right. And yeah, we wrapped it around the fence the whole way around the property. Yeah, but I think it's important to to always try to think outside the box. Obviously, we didn't want to dig a hole around 10 acres, dig a trench. So that really helps. And I'm just saying that because you weren't digging a 10-acre. Um, yeah, that would have been impossible. Yeah, right. And something has chewed through it a couple times, but it's really easy to find yeah. when something chews through it because it's all above ground. You can just see, oh, look. 
teeth right. marks that you'd throw it. Right. Now, would you say with all the work that it took for the fencing and the training, would you say it's worth it to have the dogs? There's no question about it. I, I literally have no idea how we could have all of our gardens without dogs. Right. Like, again, nature works with predators. Right. I mean... Predators keep nature in balance. You want to see the world overrun with rabbits? It would probably take months <laughs> if there was nothing eating the rabbits, yeah. if there weren't any hawks or foxes or stuff like that. So, right. um, yeah, I think we absolutely need them out here. And they're, we, I love having them out here. They add a lot of life right. and beauty. And at this point, um, we're on the back end of the whole training thing. So they're, they're starting to really fit in. Yeah. And I want to say this again. We're not dog trainers. So, you know, we... Didn't really know what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, I think we, we we tried a number of theories that didn't work. <laughs> but that's with Bella. With Blue, just simple conversation with the right. dog. We has talked about really the story well. where we were rounding up the chickens and and Blue, like I said, Blue killed the groundhog really really quickly. But Blue will round up the chickens. I've seen him put his mouth on a chicken to hold it down for us, but he didn't hurt it at all. He yeah. just held it to the ground. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, and. We just, so, I mean, I prayed before we got that dog and we really lucked out on this English collie that's made to be on a farm, made to do jobs and just seems to understand, seems to be in his blood. Yeah. English collie. Definitely. If you're thinking about a homestead dog, look at that one. Yeah. Well, we think that's what he is. We think that's what he is, but we went and looked at the breed and it's this breed that was basically made for a homestead. Yeah. It's like an all around working dog. Right. So we have dogs to chase off the crows, chase off the hawks, chase off the deer, chase off the coyote, chase off the fox, the raccoons. Yeah, we'd be overrun. We'd be so frustrated, I think. Oh, there was one night that we brought the dogs in. And we talked about this, I think, in the first podcast when we were giving an overview. We brought the dogs in one night and the deer, it's amazing the decimation the deer can do. We had, they ate so many of our beautiful squashes. Then we brought the dogs out and we never lost another squash. That's right. That's right. So a dog is kind of necessary on a homestead. Also, I've got four boys and, you know, we're out in the country. They don't have a ton of neighborhood friends to play with. And I love watching them play with the dogs, either they're kind of climbing all over Bella and cuddling up to Bella or playing fetch with Blue. I just love just seeing the dogs. The dogs are always around the kids and that's really cool. It is. It's really, really neat. One of my favorite things in, and we talked about the go command earlier, but early on I would see deer at, on the yard somewhere or something else that I wanted to have scared off like a fox. And I would say go, and then I would take off running. And I would, they got so excited to see me running. And initially, they just like were like looking at me and running after me. Right. But then we would get closer to the deer or something, and they would see the deer, and then they would take off and right. outrun me. But I, I did that a few times, and then they learned what the go command was. Yeah. And I just think it's such a fun thing. That it is. It's awesome. At this point, anywhere, you know. Anywhere on the the homestead, if I see something that needs to be chased off, like a a, a rabbit wandering through or something, I say go, and they immediately know something needs to be chased off. They look around. As soon as they see it, they take off. Yeah, I love it. I saw a rabbit, and sometimes I might be in the house, and I might have a better view than they have, but I saw a rabbit, and they they, they were kind of hanging out on the side of the house, and I said, Bella Blue, go. And they couldn't see it, but Blue runs out. He takes off to the backyard and because he saw me point to the backyard. And I just see him surveying. He's looking everywhere. And then when they get that scent or they see it, they just 
take off right. after it, and they're and, fast. Yeah, blue is a rocket. He's yeah. literally as fast as a deer. Yeah. There's been a few times where I've gotten to see a chase take place that over several acres where they're running, and he'll run after the deer, and as soon as the deer sees him, the deer takes off. And he won't get any closer at that point, but he's also not getting any further away. He's, yeah. I think he's literally as fast as a deer. Yeah. And it's just neat when they come back up after their chase, just how pr- proud they are. You know, they're so excited. They know they did their job and wagging their tail and getting a treat. And yeah. it's just, it's been so fun. I, yeah. I, mean, I think that's what's neat about a, a working dog is it gets so happy to do a job. Yeah. It, when it does something, it's just so excited and you can tell it's... Yeah. It's doing what it what it really wants to well, do. Well, and here's the funny thing. So the previous owner, so Blue, Blue the shepherd dog, um, or the collie, he had two owners before us. So we don't know what happened with the first owner. We don't think things were going very well there. But the second owners, they were really sweet girls, but they just had him in their apartment, and they worked a lot. And we were texting a lot. I would send pictures because, you know, they missed their dog and we would text a lot and they kept saying, has he gotten into trouble yet? Has he done bad things yet? Because for them, he was constantly getting into trouble. He was constantly chewing things up and, you know, messing things up. And I said, he is the best behaved dog. He has never done anything wrong. And they were just shocked. But I think it's because when a working dog, when a, when a collie or a dog like that doesn't, they're not out on the farm doing their job, they're just going to get into trouble. It's kind of like a kid that's pent up. When a kid is pent up, they're going to start being hyperactive and, and crazy. They just need to run around. And so they saw this dog being kind of getting into trouble and mischief. I never saw that. I saw the dog that was working the way that he was bred to be working. Absolutely. So there's another point that I think is a good learning point which was if you have a dog that's inside, you're, you're feeding it. And I think people understand that you want to pet the dog a lot when you're feeding it initially and make sure that the, the dog knows that feeding time is a good, happy time where you can be close. Because some dogs, especially dogs that are a little bit more wild, like working dogs, are going to see feeding time as, you know, that's their food and they want to keep any other thing away from it. And they, they might growl a little bit or something like that. And so... We learned that we're going to have outdoor dogs, but they're also family dogs and they're around the kids. And so it was really important for us as we're training these dogs to be really close to them during feeding time and then to just also in general invade their personal space a lot by petting them and letting the kids yank on them a little bit and stuff like that. So I know that uh, even though they're outdoor dogs, when it comes time to feed them or give them treats or something like that, that we're... I put my hands all over them. We make sure, you know, the kids can pet them while they're eating their food and they realize that, um, that, that is, it's, it's going to be okay. We're not going to take their food from them or they don't need to be afraid of anything. I think that's a really important lesson. Yeah. So this is definitely a more practical homesteading episode, but we just think it's so important because we don't think, we don't know how it's done without the dogs. And you know what? It just hit me. I think we've been calling our dog Blue an English collie, but he's actually a black English shepherd or a farm collie. So if you're interested in the dog, we think that's what he is, but we're not 100% sure. And he's probably mixed with something else. But I've also heard that sometimes mixed breeds are the best dogs. Absolutely. They're our allies and they work for us and they're also kind of part of the family. Yeah. So if you are like us and you're coming from the suburbs and you're thinking about homesteading and you don't know, you don't know anything about it, I think you just have to understand that the way that we look at dogs in 
American suburbia is not the way you're going to look at dogs out on a homestead. It is perfectly okay for that dog to be sleeping outside in the warm months and to be enjoying the job that they are really bred to do. Yeah, they have a job out here and they want that. It's, mm-hmm. They really like doing a job. Right. And and I would definitely consider, before you consider um, big, huge fences and constantly trying to do damage control, I definitely would consider a dog and just understand that you're going to have a little bit of work ahead of you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we're going to wrap it up. And even if you're not interested in homesteading, we hope that you'll stick with us for other episodes where we not only talk about practical things about homesteading, but philosophical things and spiritual things and and just we share our family life. Yeah, we love to talk about the practical and the spiritual yeah. and the philosophical it's all and the cultural. It's all important in homesteading. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you next time. Thank you so much to the people who left reviews last time. It is such an encouragement to hear from people and to know that this matters to them. And it really does mean a lot to us. So thank you. Also, one last thing. I just want to invite listeners to check out our website, um, homesteadstory.com. We hope to put more pictures or videos to better explain what we talk about in our podcast episodes. Not every time, but from time to time. So you can check that out. Again, that's homesteadstory.com. Thanks. Bye, everyone.